independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Chad is back tomorrow. Lots and lots of stuff to talk about, as I always say. However, the president of the United States making a surprise trip to Ukraine is uniquely um, important today for two reasons. First, and I think this is the one that's probably more valuable to talk about uh, throughout the day today, it certainly sends a clear message. Uh, You've been seeing a lot of different reporting, or maybe you haven't. I've been seeing a lot of different reporting about the ways in which China may be amping up its support of Russia. Uh, One thing that China might be contemplating doing is providing actual uh, deadly weapons to Russia in their fight against Ukraine, I guess, so far. And who knows? I mean, part of me always wonders how much of the public thing that we're talking about is just utterly inaccurate compared to whatever the private version of what's actually going on is. China may have been doing this for a while, but at least publicly doing it feels to be a transition. As that is something that's occurring, uh, you think about whether or not that's what caused uh, Biden to say, you know what, I'm going to go put my feet down in Ukraine. I'm going to go be there and show the world that the United States is going to support Ukraine at all costs. The reason I giggle a little bit as I say that is because, well, there are people saying, hey, did you forget about maybe a trip to Ohio first? Uh, maybe swinging by and talking to the people in East Palestine, Ohio, uh, who've been wondering why the president hasn't been to that disaster yet. Uh, it is a little weird to think that the president makes such a dangerous trip to Ukraine, to Kiev. There were air raid sirens uh, at one point. I think there's video and audio of that. I have a little bit of this. This is everywhere. I'm not sure what this adds uh, to the conversation here in radio, but it is the president of the United States walking around the president of Ukraine, Vladimir Zelensky, uh, throughout parts of Kiev as a whole bunch of cameras are there. Uh, I imagine all of the news media in Ukraine uh, would want to cover this. So I'm not sure how many American outlets or you know other outlets there were there. Uh, CNN was there. Uh, But this is part of what you just heard in the background as that audio has been playing and that video playing a lot of places. Pretty heavy wind from who's ever actually recording that on their cell phone, too. So that's all I'll play. But there's air raid sirens going on uh, throughout this walk, throughout a few different of the places that uh, Biden went outside. He was inside a church for a little bit uh, while talking to media and the president of Ukraine. Uh, There's a lot of reasons that this matters to me, though. And so uh, first and foremost, I saw Fox and Friends sort of debate this as it happened live this morning. Uh, They were going back and forth. Brian Kilmeade, certainly one of the people on that show, who's most likely to say that supporting Ukraine is necessary, is important, it makes sense. Uh, Doing that is something that we can't really go the other way on. And I do think it's valuable that as they're talking about this, they're bringing up some of the other questions. And I don't know exactly where they land on some of this because I think they wanted to move on at some point. I think Steve Ducey's like, let's all just stop talking about this and move to something else. Uh, But I do think some of the questions being asked are valuable about when this conflict ends. What is the end goal for Ukraine and how much support does the United States need to provide? Do we need to provide enough support for them to win back contested regions, take back Crimea? These are things that do matter. And it's not necessarily that you're saying, all right, I'm cutting off all support if that's what you're asking for, uh, because you can't let Russia just take any territory they want. And I'll play this audio. That's what Kilmeade is saying. Uh, At the same time, I do think some reasonable questions need to start being asked. And I don't think this administration has any interest in, well, 
challenging anyone, uh, not challenging the leadership in Ukraine, not challenging people in any of the situations where we need to do a better job. And certainly the Afghanistan withdrawal is something that comes up often when you talk about Biden and his ability to be effective in situations that require military strategy. But here we go. Real fears about having to Who invaded who, Lisa? Who invaded who? It's not a matter of us being skeptical. What's the Let's just let them absorb all of Eastern Europe. Why not? Because they took a third of Georgia. We did nothing. They took Crimea, as you mentioned, in the Donbass. We did nothing. At what point do you think that we should sit there and watch history repeat itself again 60 years later? Are we that stupid not to learn from history? Brian, with all respect, what's the objective? What is winning? The objective is backing up an ally to make sure they're not absorbed by a evil nation. Right. What's it going to take to do that? We're doing it. yeah, what's it going to take to do that? That's what Lisa Booth is asking. And I, I do think it it matters and it should be you should be able to have both conversations at the same time. Right. Uh, a strong leader, a powerful leader, uh, a leader who's um, not afraid of going to a part of the world that is at war. Uh, granted, I don't think that anyone would have expected something to happen in Kiev uh, today. Uh, that's certainly um, a place that does feel safe, relatively safe, safe enough for the president to visit even if he does it in a way that's that's secretive. Uh, but you, you do have to be honest. Are you capable of having both conversations at the same time and pushing for peace if peace becomes an option that makes sense to the United States but doesn't make sense to Ukraine? Now, there's one other thing I did want to play. I thought this was very interesting. As Biden was sitting there in one of those moments where you're talking to the press and kind of doing the, the show for the media version of the meeting, he said something uh, that I thought, it might be a little hard to catch this. The audio is not great. Uh, but he said something that I thought was was rather important. Um, he said that he's been to Ukraine a bunch of times. Um, Ukraine has changed a whole lot. But then he made a comment about the Ukrainian people and why they've been so successful at fighting this war, at waging this war, at keeping it from some being something that only lasted, say, a month and have it be something that lasted a very long time. Here's what he said. And Paul would uh, ask me how many times I've been to Kiev. And I had to stop and think it's my eighth trip. Much has changed, much of it bad with the invasion, but also many people have stepped up in a way that uh, few people ever have in their own defense and uh, have uh, apparently uh, also embraced the notion of democracy. So he said that the Ukrainian people have stepped up in a way that few ever have in their own defense. Those are words from our president. I think they're tremendously valuable words in a very different way. And I know this is a way where you're going to start to say, ah, look, Craig Collins filling in for Chad Benson is going full, hardcore, right-leaning conversation here, pivoting to something else. I'm not intent to do that, but they said Ukraine was a Second Amendment place, uh, basically, that that everyone had guns. Uh, I don't know if everyone's the right word, but a whole lot of people believed in the right to defend themselves. And in those moments when there were people at their doorfront trying to say, hey, uh, we're taking over, the people fought back. Um, I think it says something about the value, the importance, the conversation in a different place in our country about the value of the Second Amendment, the, the, the reasons that that's something that is to be protected, even if the United States doesn't expect to be invaded on our own uh, shores anytime in the near future uh, by a place like Russia. It seems interesting, as we say, vilify in some parts of our country, the idea of even owning a gun. And then you have a place like Ukraine that can be praised by our current president 
who'd like to do things to take away uh, people's rights in the in the Second Amendment world, uh, saying how great it is that the people themselves stood up. It's it's to me tremendously interesting and obviously something that's maybe a little bit more off the beaten path as conversations go right now about Ukraine. But I think it's one that we shouldn't completely forget about for, well, other reasons. Uh, this is interesting. This is something else out there in the world. They're changing some of the children's books that Roald Dahl wrote uh, because I guess they're not woke enough. This this is real. The publisher, uh, Puffin, has decided that, you know what? Uh, we're just going to switch some things up. We're going to remove some things that we consider to be offensive language in modern society. We're also just going to stick some stuff in there, uh, get a little bit of extra text in. And here are some examples. The 2001 edition of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, Grandma Josephine speaks about a crazy Indian prince. The 2022 edition of the same book now says a ridiculously rich Indian prince. Uh, Just one example, Augustus Gloop, uh, one of the antagonists in the novel, is no longer described as enormously fat. Instead, he is now just enormous, Uh, not enormous in a specific way. I don't know how much good that does. It's a weird change. Uh, Aunt Sponge, uh, who in the 2022 edition of James and the Giant Peach is described as quite large instead of enormously fat is another example of them getting very weary about one specific word. Uh, Then there's other things uh, that they've changed. Apparently, two ghastly hags has been changed into two ghastly ants, which I find hilarious. That's my favorite one uh, that they changed. Not any of the other ones. It's like, no, no, no. They're not that first word anymore. Those are now just ants, and let's just leave them alone. Uh, It'll be totally fine. Uh, They even removed the word queer, uh, which was used to actually describe a house Instead, they swapped it out for the word strange. And they said they're doing all of this because it's just more appropriate in today's society. It has caused a pretty obvious conversation to happen, though. Is it right to change people's creative work, their artistic work, their, their um, you know, a written work or whatever it might be that they've done after their past just because we think that it's better to have it, have it sound or, or be um, a way that we would write it today? Or some would even write it today. The answer, of course, to a lot of people is no. This is tremendously odd and wrong and probably shouldn't continue. And yet, apparently, those that are doing it are like, yeah, be quiet. Uh, This is going to help us sell more books. We don't want anyone complaining about the writings of someone uh, who obviously didn't know what the 2023 standard would be for describing a house. A quick break. A lot more. This is Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. Podcasts are American as hot dogs, apple pie, football, and sushi. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, my goodness. No. Okay, maybe not sushi. Next time you have a craving for something sweet and tangy, download a Chad Benson Show podcast. Mmm, boy. That is good. It's different because you get a little bit of saltiness. It's so good because it's sweet and salty at the same time. Get a taste on iTunes, iHeart, or Spotify and binge to your ears content. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Chad Benson Show. This is The Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Chad is back tomorrow. Uh, Just quickly, some news. Um, Actor Richard Belzer passed away yesterday. He was 78 years old. He is best known for being on a whole bunch of different shows, playing the same character, Detective Detective, John Munch, including Law & Order SVU. 
Uh, the reason why I thought this was something that I, I would mention uh, on the show is it's sort of hilarious the last thing he said, according to a close friend of his. Apparently, the actor's last words were, bleep you, mother bleeper. That's what you say uh, right at the end. A whole lot of people enjoying that quite a bit, saying it fits uh, with the human being and even some of the characters he played on television. Uh, a lot of people saying it's it's a pretty awesome thing uh, to be out there and viral as quickly as it has been. Uh, but obviously, uh, people sad to hear about the passing of an actor uh, that seems to be liked by a lot of people on media right now. Uh, someone I'm only a little bit familiar with, but certainly someone that I can appreciate uh, based on just that last sentence alone. That's pretty amazing. Uh, a couple other things out there in the world that I thought were uh, fun to talk about on a Monday. So I guess Charles Barkley is teaming up with a potato chip company to debut a brand new potato chip that sounds disgusting. Uh, it is the new hot dog flavored chip from Ruffles. I have audio if we want to play some of this. Here is Charles, Sir Charles Barkley. And uh, Ruffles Potato Chips getting oddly excited about something that I'm pretty sure is going to taste awful. I have no idea what's in here. Okay, Ruffles. Get it. Jeez. Jeez. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, wait, wait. It's coming. Okay. Obviously, the video is fairly important to this audio that I'm playing right now. So he's breaking open pinatas, trying to unveil uh, the big new flavor of a Ruffles Potato Chip. Uh, Shaq is getting cr tremendously impatient while this is happening. And then eventually, I think they discover the hot dog one. It's coming. <laughs> That's how you break a piñata. And, oh. and the flavor is hot dog. Hot dog, <laughs> dog flavored ruffles. Yeah, no one sounds excited about that. They, they seem to even pause for a second to make sure they were reading it correctly. But yes, uh, that is the new partnership. Charles Barkley and Ruffles Potato Chips. Um, and again, as I said, probably a awful, terrible thing you don't want to consume anytime in the near future. Uh, there's one other piece of audio I really like out there. And I like this piece of audio for a couple reasons. Uh, first, uh, and this is how I want to start this. The shark loses. The dog wins. So I guess a bunch of people were on vacation in the Bahamas, like 30 tourists. They're on a boat. Uh, they see what appears to be a giant, giant shark. Um, and they all start to freak out a little bit. And then at some point, a dog on the boat jumps into the water to both bite and bark off the shark and wins. The shark leaves. It surrenders to the dog. But I love the audio, as I said, for a couple of There's some crazy screaming in it. That's probably not the most fun to play on the radio. Uh, but it's a moment where one of the women seems to turn to one of the men and ask for a solution to the problem of dog in water, shark close by. And I'm not saying it doesn't make some sense rationally, uh, but I do think if you're, say, the owner of the dog, and this is the missus asking you to do something to save the dog, you now know who she loves more, and it's not you. Here's the audio. How big is that? That's about 12 feet. 12 feet? <laughs> Get in the water, you idiot! He's fighting the shark! <laughs> I love the fact that they're all just cursing and surprised and, and impressed with the dog. But I also do love that moment where she says, Danny, do something. Because again, if that's your dog, Danny, and that's your girlfriend uh, or your uh, wife, 
She loves the dog more than you, Danny. You learned that during this uh, vacation to the Bahamas. Uh, but yes, the dog's fine. The shark was intimidated. Actually, this plays into something I've talked about before, maybe not here, uh, but other places I've done radio. I am convinced, and I have no reason to be convinced, that I would win in a fight versus a shark because I've heard you do the one punch to the nose thing and you win. And everyone I've ever told that to tells me I'm a giant moron, a huge idiot, and I will never, ever survive if faced with a shark. And I'm not going to do it on purpose. I'm not the kind of guy who's going to go ahead and try to prove my friends wrong by getting myself in a shark situation. I desire that not at all, but I think I'll win. I think that if you do it right, if you act a certain level of confidence like this dog did, uh, the shark will just be like, man, this isn't worth it. I have a bunch of other things I can do. Fish are easy to catch. This seems challenging. Let's go ahead and move on. Uh, and I, I think I've been proven right. I'm probably going to play this video, this audio for a bunch of my friends today and see how they feel. I'll throw it up in the group chat in just a second, actually, and maybe I'll relay back their reactions to how I'm still a moron. Uh, but I don't know. My favorite moment is just the woman saying to Danny, you got to get in and save her dog because I don't care about you. And that was before the shark totally uh, ran away. All right. Uh, other stuff out there in the world. I will just tease this. We'll get to it a little bit later on. I have a list of the top things we don't clean in every single room in our house. Apparently, there's at least one thing in each room that you neglect to clean that's probably disgusting right now. I'll talk about that. I'll talk about some news of the day. All coming up in a bit. Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Uh, lots and lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, one of the things that seems to be a pretty big deal, and it's going to happen in a lot of places throughout the country, including actually in Chicago, Illinois, uh, which I think is tremendously interesting. Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis is going to kick off a pro-police tour. Uh, he is starting it in New York City. Uh, he's going to speak with law enforcement officials in blue-led cities, who feel unsupported uh, in Chicago specifically, where there's a crap ton of violence on the South side. There are a lot of different officers or um, stories about police that have just walked away, retired, decided that there's no reason to say fight or try to do things in a part of the city that is as challenging, as difficult as it is when they are now being vilified or have been vilified for a while in um, a lot of different places, on forms of media, by politicians at times. Certainly, uh, defund the police was a thing that really had a huge impact on a lot of the feelings of those in the, in certain parts of our country, uh, I think. And it it's a really valuable message for the officers themselves to have someone in support of them. This obviously continues to create expectations that Ron DeSantis will be running for uh, the nominee on the Republican side of the aisle to be the next president. Uh, this caused Donald Trump, former President Trump and current um, current candidate, um, one of the only people currently running outside of Nikki Haley. Uh, but I, I do think this is interesting 
the things he said. He continues to to call Ron DeSantis a rhino and says that he's hiding his past. But he actually got very mad at uh, quite a few other places. The New York Post, which he said is is failing. Uh, actually, I can just read part of what he said. Uh, he said that the fake news puff piece about DeSantis, which supposedly appeared in the dying New York Post, uh, which is way down in readership, just like Fox News, etc., is way down in ratings. Why doesn't she mention that he wants to cut Social Security and Medicare, loves losers like Jeb Bush, Paul Ryan, and Karl Rove, and it's getting clobbered, and he's getting clobbered by me in the polls. Uh, Ron DeSantis is a rhino who is trying to hide his past. I don't read the New York Post anymore. It has become fake news, just like Fox and Wall Street Journal. Uh, he said that Fox News has now become fake news. I think that's very interesting. I, I think that's interesting in a lot of ways, because I, I would assume, and I'm, I'm going to guess that you'd think this too, that it's still a predominantly high amount of, say, right-leaning individuals in our society, maybe not far right, but right-leaning people, that watch Fox News. So when you have someone who's trying to gain the support, and I don't think that Republicans would truly not support Trump if he were to win the nomination, uh, but right now uh, try to win support by maybe alienating himself potentially, uh, not that Trump ever really seems to do that all that often with any of the things he goes after more times than not, it seems to uh, a lot of people that would support the president, he winds up winning out. Um, but I think Fox is is a unique exception. The Wall Street Journal, I'm not really sure anyone will care about all that much. Even the New York Post, uh, by the way, uh, even though they did a great job in breaking the Hunter Biden laptop story uh, when no one else wanted to write it. I don't think there's anyone that's going to stand out on the street corner and be like, no, how dare you go after the New York Post? But it is interesting Fox um, to me and the potential of a, a Fox News trying to prop up a DeSantis when and if he chooses to run. I don't know how much media would play into the decision making uh, and especially the need, I think, at that point for Trump to say be on Twitter, uh, to be on social media places where he's not right now. I think that holdout from those platforms will go away. Uh, bringing that up, actually, what I think is interesting, shifting gears just a bit, uh, Facebook is adding a paid verification service, just like Twitter Blue, just like all the other stuff that has been out there and people have been upset about, and Elon Musk is being uh, shaped as the worst, um, most awful person in all of society. Uh, Meta is following in those footsteps. It's called Meta Verified. It will cost between 12 and $15 a month. Instead of a blue check mark, you get a blue badge which I don't care about at all. It's supposed to prevent people from impersonating you. So you're really protecting yourself. It's actually exactly what the the argument they made in wearing a mask. You're wearing a mask to protect others, not to protect yourself. Now you're getting verified on Facebook so you can stop people from pretending that they're you. We'll take all the yous that are not you down if you give us money every single month. Um, I love this. I love every part of this. And the reason I love it is not because I have any intention of doing it. Uh, the reason I love it is because it just sort of screams out loud that all of the social media platforms are going to do all of this kind of stuff to just become the new version of television. Uh, tell You know what? Actually, this is funny. Now, well, I don't know if it's funny. I, I found it funny. So I had um, some friends visit over the weekend. They have two young children. Uh, my wife and I don't have any kids. And throughout the entire weekend where these these people are staying in my home, these friends of mine are staying in my house, they kept asking to like watch specific things. The little kid, the boy, he's two. He loves Cars, uh, the movies on, on Disney Plus is the streaming platform. I didn't have Disney Plus, but I bought it and I added it to my Rolodex. 
for the weekend because it made him very, very happy. And then there were other moments where, say, someone else was like, oh, we should watch this thing. I wound up buying like four streaming services uh, over the course of the weekend just to have the range of entertainment people were hoping I had anyway. And I didn't have to do it. I could have said, ah, let's watch something else. I don't know. But it was just funny to me because it just reminded me in a two-day period how ridiculous the world is right now. Uh, And this is, I guess, sort of an extreme take in just entertainment alone, that everybody has like seven things that are valuable in their own unique bucket. And if you have people coming over and you want to entertain them all weekend and watch some stuff along the way, just having YouTube TV wasn't enough to get it done. Uh, Just having any form of regular television wasn't enough to get it done. And now social media is going to keep doing this too. Uh, Every single place that is out there on the internet is going to eventually ask you to pay just like the the long ago the publishers all did to get on their websites. It's it's very interesting to me. And I, I think it'll be funny to see that Maybe it won't be as as horrible and it won't be vilified as much as when Elon did it. Although I don't think any of the young kids care at all about Facebook anymore. I think that's something that's over. And I don't know if it's happening on any of the other platforms, but but we'll see. I did want to mention this. Uh, I do love the reactions to this all over the Internet. So a white guy won the slam dunk contest over the weekend. And this guy uh, is incredible. I, I thought that the the uh, dunks that he did, uh, Mac McClug, were some things I've never seen before. And I barely ever watch the slam dunk contest now because it's long ago changed from a thing that was um, really, really entertaining because all of the dunks were things that no one had ever tried or done before to pretty much the same thing you see every single year. Shaquille O'Neal even apparently said that Mac McClug saved it. He did like a 420 or so, no, a 540, I think is what it was, uh, spin at one point. He did a bunch of different things uh, that were very, very cool. But here's my favorite part. Uh, people are reacting, one, to the fact that he's he's a white guy, and two, that they says he looks goofy. They say he looks like a goofy dude who shouldn't have even been on the court in the first place. And I I did not know um, at first when some of the videos were going viral uh, that he was in the contest or that he had won the contest. I think I was a little bit aware that he was a a pretty prolific dunker in general, uh, but not a household name, uh, Mac McClug. So it was it was kind of awesome to watch that that guy win that slam dunk contest um, because not just of his race or anything like that, uh, even though the Internet is obsessed with that part of it but because he really doesn't look like he should be a successful dunker in the NBA. Uh, So that was a pretty fun story. And as I said, there's a lot of reactions, a lot of um, um, diehard fans out there in the world asking that he come back. He's a guy that hasn't even really played much NBA basketball at all. Uh, He's more of a guy that's always been uh, very much behind the scenes. So maybe they just do that. Maybe they change the NBA slam dunk contest into a thing where anyone who can dunk great gets to participate and they get signed to an NBA team for a day. Uh, Maybe that's another part of it. All right. Uh, One other thing I said I would mention, I wanted to pay that tease off. Uh, There is a list of things in your home that you probably never clean that after you listen to this show, you should rush home and definitely clean at least one thing in every room of the house. It starts off with the bathroom and it guesses that the shower head is something that you've never cleaned. The amount of things that are likely to be in there, the mold, uh, the the minerals, uh, all the different stuff is is gross, and it's shooting it on your face every single day. Uh, the recommendation here by the internet is to soak it in vinegar solution. Take the shower head down, uh, soak it for a few hours or maybe a month. <laughs> I don't know how much time you need. 
Uh, you should do this once a month is what it says here. Um, but it's definitely something that you should probably do at least once in your lifetime. I can guarantee I've never done that. Uh, the missus might have, but I definitely haven't. In your kitchen, the top of your refrigerator is something we often neglect. Nowhere near as bad as the shower head. In your living room, deep clean under your couch cushions uh, is a recommendation here. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to do that. In your bedroom, the drawers pull, uh, the drawer pulls out and you have to clean under it for your dresser or your nightstand. And finally, something that might be a problem in multiple rooms of your home, houseplants. They collect dust. They collect all kinds of stuff. You should wipe them down every so often. All of this is according to lifehacker.com, which I'm sure no one here is going to respect all that much, and that's fine. Uh, honestly, for those five tips, I probably won't care about it all, but I did care about the first one, the shower head. It does sound like something that might build up some level of residue or, or grossness uh, that I now would very much like to fix. All right, I'll take a quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. You stink like fear and white male privilege to me. I do often out myself verbally as a gender. My pronouns are they, them, and I'm proud to be a gender. Are you stupid? <laughs> Robin! What? Are you kidding me? Not a great way to use your white privilege. Some people get it. Some people don't. You're listening to The Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Chad is back tomorrow. 45% of baby boomers say they will be a there will be a female president in their lifetime. Hey, look, good news. Uh, Nikki Haley, Kamala Harris, two people that would probably like to be that person. I don't know if either one will be. Uh, even Oprah Winfrey uh, was brought up as a, a person that maybe uh, could be that. But 45% of boomers, uh, 56% said yes. As far as a female president across the entirety of our um, our population, but when you specified it to uh, certain generations, and I guess this was surprising enough to be a thing that was out there in the world and sort of being shared a whole lot, is that a lot of people uh, 65 and up expect to see a female president in their lifetime. Uh, other things out there in the world that I thought were interesting, and this is probably not going to make anyone uh, happy. In uh, part of uh, what I was just discussing a second ago, I think some of the people that would like to see a female president will not be thrilled at how proud this guy is. Uh, he's a trophy husband, uh, is what uh, he calls himself. I guess he has his own social media following. The guy's name is Nick Davis. He has three wives. He doesn't work any job at all. Uh, all three of his wives, April, Danielle, and Jennifer, have full-time professions. So he just stays at home being a, quote, trophy husband. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I love this so much. Uh, apparently, there's some uh, new TV show uh, out there in the world that he's going to be a part of. Uh, some of the quotes from the show include one of the wives saying that Nick's a lot to handle in general with his personality. It's nice to be able to have helping hands uh, as far as two other wives to to settle him uh, at times. I don't know why I find this so amusing, though, man. Uh, this guy has certainly unlocked something that many of us probably would not want I'm going to be honest, uh, just being at home, having three people uh, that come home all the time and tell you uh, what to do. Uh, and I don't really know why he's a trophy husband, as according to everybody in this situation. They don't really say that he's like an overly attractive or anything else kind of human being. He's just someone who somehow found a situation uh, where he stays at home 
and sends all three of his his ladies uh, to work on a daily basis. There there are other professions that are similar to that. I'm not going to mention them here. Uh, they're not all that respected. All right, other stuff out there. I thought this was interesting. I'm a hot influencer is the headline to this story, and a fan just offered me an $800,000 relationship contract. Uh, this person, uh, who admittedly is uh, very good-looking, a Brazilian model who apparently also is an influencer. I don't really know much about a lot of these people. Her name is Laura Juca. She is 23 years old. Said she is contemplating whether or not she wants to have a one-year relationship with a man who will pay her $800,000 just to be in the relationship. There's certainly a lot of parts of the contract that probably need to be discussed between the two. She has a million followers on social media. Uh, she said she's not sure if maybe she can get more money from somebody else. Um, if this starts to be a bidding war, that's definitely a thing. I don't know why both of these relationship stories popped up for the news that I'm talking about today on the show, uh, but both of them, I couldn't, I couldn't say no to these. I apologize to you. I apologize to all involved. Uh, a guy with three wives who calls himself a trophy husband and a woman looking for a little under a million dollars for a one-year relationship both seem tremendously interesting uh, to me. Again, as I said, she's not sure if she's actually going to say yes to that, uh, what all the maybe fine print parts of the problem are that haven't been entirely shared out there in the world. Uh, she could still have other relationships. That's one thing she was happy to report. She just definitely has to date some guy uh, that she's never met before who's willing to fork over a whole lot of money uh, just for that to be uh, a thing. Um, there's a non-compete clause in the contract, too, uh, that I love a lot, which is not about having other potential relationships from time to time, but I guess non-compete in that world would be having another guy that's willing to pay uh, money for you to be in a relationship with them, too. The work part of the relationship has to be thrown out. All right, here's another story out there that I think is pretty crazy. I don't know why. Uh, this is a segment of of crazy people, I guess is what I'm doing here. Uh, this young man, well, actually, this guy is is 26 years old. Uh, he went to a tattoo artist named Michael, who was 40. I don't think we have the name of the person who actually got the tattoo. Uh, they didn't want to be named in this. Um, but the tattoo artist said that someone came into their shop, a, a young man, and asked for a part of the female anatomy to be put on his face. And so the artist said no. The artist was like, it's really not a smart thing you can do. Uh, you should not live the rest of your life with that on your face. You want to not do like anything else, like come up with other stuff, maybe not on the facial area. If it's got to be a certain thing uh, that's going to maybe offend some people. And I guess they went in a back and forth and eventually the client convinced the person to go ahead and do it for a pretty decent amount of money. And the artist was quoted as saying that it was a tremendous mistake, but they did it anyway. Um, the second thought was, did you lose a bet? There was some point where the person was so adamant about wanting it to happen. I don't know why anyone would go face tattoo at all. I, I really don't understand that move. But this move specifically uh, is, is a couple extra steps in the world of a thing you shouldn't do. And it's gone viral because, as I said, uh, the tattoo artist really didn't want to do it. Uh, which you've got to feel like is, is a unique thing you're asking of someone. If you walk in the door and say, hey, can you get this done for me? And they go, please don't make me. Please don't make this a thing. Uh, there is all, already a photo, and a bunch of the story is shared out there on social media, because when young people are involved, they uh, broadcast all the stuff they do, even if it's stuff that shouldn't really be brought. But it's on his face, so what are you going to do? Like, he's he's got that now for a while. Uh, one other quick thing, and I'll probably talk about this more in a bit, uh, there are 21 new emojis out there in the world. Uh, there's even a, quote, high five emoji. Uh, people seem very excited about this. 
Um, well, very few people seem very excited about this. I should say, I didn't. I didn't know we were still trailblazing in the world of emojis. Uh, half of the things that are new are just more animals that I guess didn't exist before, including what looks like a blue jellyfish of some kind. Uh, there's different color hearts that didn't exist before, blue, black, and uh, just a regular one, a regular pink one. And then, as I said, both sides of a high five appear to be there, too. I don't know how long these emojis will be used, if at all, uh, before they're decided to be aggressive or something else like we've seen in the past. But good news for anyone that still is in that world. Uh, 21 emojis out there for you to pick from, including pea pods and a donkey. Uh, it is a, it's a special time to be alive. Quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff to talk about. Chad is back. Better broadcast with me tomorrow. Uh, he will be back here on the show. So don't worry. It's just the rest of the day today. You have to deal with me. Uh, Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, gave us some weird information over the weekend about how they were able to detect more of these spy balloons also, a, I think, Illinois high school's science project balloon that they shot down over Canada. Uh, they were able to do it because they turned the computers off and turned them back on, essentially. No, no, no. They recalibrated some things. Here's Blinken talking about it. Uh, apparently, obviously, everyone else before them screwed up and didn't know that you needed to turn some dials a certain way. And now they're well, uh, they're well more informed about all the different versions of spy balloons and balloons that are definitely not spy balloons and cost $12, and we shot them down with million-dollar or half-a-million-dollar missiles. Uh, but good. I'm, I'm glad they're doing this important work. Uh, it is important to shoot down real spy balloons, by the way. But here is Blinken. What happened after that uh, was we recalibrated uh, our radars because this balloon program, based on information we have now, has been going on for some time. Um, in years past... We weren't necessarily looking uh, right. at the, the space in which this was happening. We recalibrated the radars, and as a result, we saw more things that we weren't seeing in, um, in the past. Yeah, we saw a lot more things, including things that were not things that we thought they were. We just shot them down. Uh, that is a real story, by the way. Anyone that doesn't know what I'm referencing, uh, that a, a, a group of students in Illinois put up $12 balloons, like regular balloons, um, and then tracked them with little tracking devices. And we shot at least one of those down, uh, most likely. That was one of three of the things we shot down after the recalibration efforts uh, that apparently were doing good stuff. Although that one balloon that we all definitely knew was a spy balloon and we could see it for its entire pass through the country, uh, we didn't shoot down until the very end of that journey. I will stop repeating that, but every time this topic comes up, I feel like that's an important thing to mention to those talking about it. All right, we got Alejandro Bayorcas uh, out there in the world uh, talking to uh, Chris Wallace about the security of our border. I do love this back and forth, uh, this version of, uh, so secure doesn't mean this, does it, sir? And then Mayorkas being like, why would anyone think that that's the definition of secure? 
But when you say it's what does secure mean to you? It certainly doesn't mean that people aren't able to get across the border illegally. Of, of course not. That is that by, by that measure, the border has never been secure. Right. Um, since the Department of Homeland Security was created, individuals have evaded. So, so by what measure is it secure now, sir? So there there is not a common definition uh, of that. If one looks at the statutory definition, <laughs> the literal interpretation uh-huh. of the statutory language, yeah. if one person successfully evades law enforcement uh, at the border, uh, then we have breached the security of the border. Man, I wonder what would help more there. I wonder what could be an option to say help less and less people try to cross the uh, border illegally. Could it be a wall? I feel like that's one thing uh, you might be asking yourself. And if you're the president, the former president of the United States is probably something you're saying uh, quite a bit of. But I do love that that audio is just out there and bouncing around. And then finally, there's this. Uh, Bernie Sanders popped up on Face the Nation and had an interesting set of conversations. First, he was asked about whether or not he thinks that Bill Gates is right, that taxing robots is a good move. I do love the fact that while you're going back and forth and Bill Gates is a part of the conversation with a Bernie Sanders, Bernie is asked, wait a minute, is this is this one of the millionaires or billionaires that you actually do like? You don't hate this guy? But I don't want to see the people on top simply be the only beneficiaries of this revolution in technology. So you agree with Bill Gates and taxing robots? That's one way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. He's a billionaire you do like. (laughs) I've talked to Bill on a number of occasions, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I I loved the the brain uh, right there. And you can see it in the look in in Bernie's eyes when it's, that's a billionaire that you do like. You're a millionaire yourself. Do you like yourself or do you hate yourself, sir? But asking him that and be like, "Uh, I've talked to him sometimes. You agree with Bill Gates and taxing robots? That's one way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. He's a billionaire you do like. He's, I've talked to Bill on a number of occasions. I've, I've talked to him sometimes. He's he's in my Rolodex. Uh, he's called my cell phone, and I have taken the phone call. That is all I'll say at this moment. Uh, he was then asked this. This was probably the much better question to me uh, about Ticketmaster and his own book tour. He's selling tickets for $95 a pop to see him talk about his book in person, live and in concert. Uh, Bernie Sanders live and in concert is something I don't know if I'd ever want to go see. Um, but he's asked if that's really kind of a problem for him and some of his socialist beliefs, because, well, Ticketmaster has been accused of a lot of anti-competitive behavior. Uh, aren't you benefiting from a system you're fighting, sir? But I have to ask you, you're going on tour to promote this book, It's Okay to Be Angry About Capitalism. And you're here talking about it. I understand we're not the bad guys you're, you're describing in the book when it comes to the media, but tickets for your tour apparently are selling for $95 on Ticketmaster, which is con- accused of anti-competitive behavior. You know that. Some of your Democrats are criticizing them. Aren't you benefiting yourself no, from not, this I, system that no, you're no, trying no. to dismantle? Please, first of it. all, those decisions are made totally by the publisher and the bookseller. I think there's one case where in one place here in Washington, po- uh, politics and pros and independent books are charging some tickets most of them, I think, are $40, $50, and you get a book as well. <laughs> so if you want to come, you're going to have to pay 40 bucks. I'll throw in the book for free. And we're doing a number of free uh, events, but I don't make a nickel out of these things. No, no, no. no. I, I make absolutely no money, sir. And anyone that is making money, that's not my fault. That's the publisher. Did the publisher give you any money to write the book, uh, Bernie? Did you, did you make money before they were covering some of the costs that they might have uh, cut in that check to you? Is there just a couple different 
parts of separation here. I, I love this question too. And I love this statement uh, that he makes. And he goes, you know, you get the book for, for $40 as well. It'll be fine. I, I don't know why. And one person, one time is selling it for more money. Ticketmaster is allowed in just one instance. And that's not me. It's not my fault. Uh, please leave me alone. I just loved it. I loved the back and forth. And I thought Bernie was challenged at times, at least a little bit, in some of those more extreme things uh, that pretty much all the uh, positions he has are fairly extreme. Uh, but I, I love every part of that. And I love the fact that he doesn't even want to admit his support of Bill Gates at times. All right. The biggest story of the day, I've neglected it long enough. It definitely is something that I should uh, talk about, is that our president uh, went to Ukraine. This was a surprise visit. It, it happened uh, this morning. Uh, this is something that no one outside of people within the administration really knew was going to happen. Uh, he also uh, gave a statement. He talked in front of the press. He talked about supporting um, Ukraine as much as he could. A lot of people are debating, I think, still how long that support lasts, what it looks like, what the likelihood now is of China getting involved and potentially supporting Russia on the other side of that conflict. Uh, that is something that's being talked about, not in the ways they already have, but in the ways of providing deadly weapons, uh, weapons of war to Russia, um, unlike the things they've done, as I said, uh, so far. So here is what um, Biden said, one statement he made in Ukraine um, that I thought was tremendously valuable for, well, a different reason. Outside of the debate as to whether or not the United States can write blank check after blank check to Ukraine until Ukraine gets its version of a victory in this conflict, which it might never get, and it might not be what the United States considers a victory to be. And also, by the way, the president not going to East Palestine, Ohio yet, seems weird to travel to Ukraine and Kiev first before going there, somewhere much closer to Washington, D.C., seems, seems odd. Uh, but here is something Biden said uh, during that visit. Wait, hold on one second. Let me make sure to get this technically right so you can actually hear what he's saying. All right, go ahead. And Paul would uh, ask me how many times I've been to Kiev. And I had to stop and think it's my eighth trip. And much has changed. Much of it bad with the invasion, but also a few many people have stepped up in a way that uh, few people ever have in their own defense. And uh, have uh, apparently uh, also embraced the notion of democracy. I think it's so interesting to say that the people of Ukraine have stepped up in a way that few ever have. Uh, and they've also embraced the notion of democracy. Uh, Ukraine for a long time was considered the second most corrupt country in Europe, only behind Russia. I think they're probably still considered to be a corrupt country, but obviously a, a war, a conflict like this uh, puts a lot of that stuff on hold. That stuff is in in the back now. Uh, not stuff we're going to talk about all that often, although I guess I just mentioned it there. Um, but I do think it's it's tremendously interesting to praise the people and their willingness to fight back because whether or not you agree with the tinfoil hat uncle you might have in your life, uh, that's one of the reasons that people say the Second Amendment is so important. Well, you'd call them the tinfoil uncle. I don't think I would. Uh, so important in our society. Uh, the idea that a, a country becomes weaker uh, a country becomes less capable of doing something like Ukraine is doing against Russia right now if something like defending yourself becomes bad uh, or the desire to have the ability to defend yourself becomes bad. Uh, that is the intention of the Second Amendment in the most simplistic of terms to me, uh, a group of people being capable of defending themselves and if need be. Um, so I, I do think it's very, very interesting that, yes, 
absolutely what's going on in Ukraine and the people of Ukraine has been a significant, significant story and a story that gets mentioned and then sort of forgotten in the world of some of the conversations we have every day right here in our own country. Uh, it does seem to be a, a tale, a um, you know, real life example of how there's an opposite side of some of those conversations uh, that we don't really talk about as much as maybe some show. I'm sure a lot of people listening to the show have had these conversations, but it's just interesting to me again to highlight something like that and then move away from it and then travel back across the water, come here and keep saying how we need to ban this, ban that, stop that in order to to fight some of the problems we have in our own society. All right, quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. Me too. Hashtag immigration reforms. Hashtag help. I'm trapped in a hashtag factory and I can't get out. The Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Chad is back tomorrow. I got a bunch of different random things out there in the world because it's a Monday and I can't talk about the serious news uh, all day long. I saw this that new Gen Z workers are the most burned out generation of any generation currently. 91% of Gen Zers uh, are reporting that they have high stress. They uh, have higher than average uh, struggles at their job. They think that their job is unmanageable. They're burned out. They're disconnected. They're ready to move on. I laugh. I'm a millennial. I am just barely a generation that can judge a generation uh, below me. And we pretty much have all the same problems. So anyone above us sees us all as one group. And I get it. But this is hilarious. I don't know how to say it's anything other than that. um, Because... Most jobs are not fun early on. There's not a a large amount of jobs. They're like, oh, this is wonderful and fulfilling to every part of my my life and my, um, you know, um, opportunities that I see to have myself gaining in the future. Uh, No, it's a way to gain money, hopefully get in the door at a place you want to grow at. Uh, It's not a place where you're going to feel tremendously valued uh, right away. Um, And I'm not trying to say that people are treated like crap everywhere they work. That's not true. I know that good bosses treat employees well, but it's just so funny to me. Millennials, of course, were second on this list in pretty much every way uh, they could be. Uh, People with high job satisfaction comparatively were the uh, Gen X, the baby boomers. And of course, one of the stats going around and being shared about this is that they have better jobs uh, than Gen Z and millennials. And of course they do. They've been in the the employment world a lot. Like this to me is one of the more hilarious, obvious, dumb things that goes out there that people react to and they say how society is unfair. And this is probably exactly what it's supposed to be. Um, of course, there are going to be people who get great jobs right away, are tremendously satif- satisfied and happy and work those jobs for the entirety of their lives. I'm a millennial and I love this job. I love what I do for a living right here. Not trying to rub salt in the wound of any Gen Zers out there who are upset, uh, but you got to work toward things. I wasn't given this opportunity right away. It wasn't the first chance I got in radio. So those those things take time and sometimes they're not fun. Uh, I remember myself having to work uh, weekends and super long hours in ways that weren't really what I wanted to do, uh, but I was in an industry that I wanted to be in. And so someone would call me and say, hey, Can you do a thing? I would say yes. Even if that thing was like washing somebody's car, I probably would have been down to do it. And now I'm happy that I somehow made it through uh, like all of these Gen Zers hopefully uh, try to eventually. I don't know. But 91% 
are reporting that they're burned out, disconnected, and want to either leave the, the job force altogether and I guess just be social media influencers. I think that's part of the problem. You know what? I'll blame that too uh, because you see these stats all the time of young people and how their main job they want now, like the dream job is to just be an influencer on social media, uh, to be a YouTuber, to be some sort of uh, semi-famous person to a small subset of individuals uh, that you they go watch your videos. I, I, don't, I don't know how to say it better, but it's unlikely to be a thing that a whole lot of you will get. If you're listening to this show, if you happen to have turned this on or heard this segment and think I'm hating, I'm a millennial. I'm in the group of people we're hating. This is self-hate. Um, but it's definitely a time to to uh, put on the big boy pants and grow up a little bit. That's my response to that story. I do think this is interesting. Apparently, more and more people are human composting themselves. Uh, this is because green funerals are on the rise. Uh, and growing popularity is to turn yourself into compost. And then I guess you are used in places that you'd want to be used in to to help. I don't I will never do this. I don't know why anyone would do this. The actual cost of it is is fairly expensive. Four thousand to five thousand five hundred dollars. So you're not really saving a lot of money compared to doing anything the other way. Um and really it is because of the desire to go green that people think that this is good. I can't you do the long form composting thing? where you just do it the regular way, and at some point, I guess, maybe you're still beneficial to the place in which you're resting. I don't know. I just, I can't envision myself being terribly comfortable uh, going to somebody's uh, funeral, and then at some point having someone pull out a can of stuff and compost around and say that this was good. Um, I'll probably still go, but to me, it would have been probably better to handle it the more traditional way. I don't know. Uh, This is not the way I want to be green. I, I recycle. Uh, The wife tells me every time I take something that's plastic and try to throw it in the trash that it needs to go in the other bin and then we put it outside the other way. That's my limit, people. That's when I'm done. I put it in the right bin. I take both bins out to the trash and I I do it all over again the next week. Uh, As I said, I'm tapped out at that. I guess I'm burned out in that way. Now I'm becoming a young person, not my job, but in what they're asking me to do to go green. Uh, One last thing I saw out there, I thought this was interesting. Uh, A woman went viral on social media for sharing a photo uh, with her fiancé, an announcement that they were getting married. Uh, What she said, though, was that she got it wrong because the title of the photo was Face Tune, meaning she changed some stuff. All right, quick break, a lot more. Greg Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff to talk about. Chad is back tomorrow. Uh, we will get into more of Biden's trip to Kiev and Ukraine, uh, his surprise trip this morning a little bit later on. I do want to play this audio. This is from uh, Fox News Sunday. This is John Kirby uh, saying that the uh, top Biden spokesperson 
uh, and probably the next person to be the White House press secretary when Corinne Jean-Pierre decides, like a lot of other people have, that she's not really great at that job. Uh, but John Kirby said that $200 billion in aid to Ukraine so far is not the end. And what is the end was the question he was asked. And his answer was, yeah, no, <laughs> pretty much that's what he said. Here we go. But the question that's being asked by increasingly on Capitol Hill, and there's going to be another fight over another round of aid. We're about $200 billion into this so far. There are questions about where the U.S. commitment ends to this. I mean, we had a couple of lawmakers just return and say, Congressman Garamendi was one of them who said, I think this is a year from now going to be still going on, this exact same war. We don't know. Um, again, we, we would like to see it end now. Um, and certainly we want to see it on end, uh, end on terms that are satisfactory to the Ukrainian people and to President Zelensky. So that they remain a whole, free, sovereign, independent state. And independence is an ideal that all Americans can get behind and understand. We'd like it to end soon, as soon as possible. My goodness, nobody wants to be sitting here a year from now talking about the second anniversary of war. But as the president has said, Shannon, we're going to support Ukraine for as long as it takes. And he means that as long. Yeah, we're going to we're going to write as many checks as necessary um, for them to feel as though they are uh, supported. Uh, including whether or not those checks all go to actually the war efforts or not. We're not sure. We're not doing a great job of auditing all that. And I'm not saying that anyone should let Ukraine fall. That's insanity. Uh, that's something that Brian Kilmeade was talking about on uh, Fox and Friends today as well, actually, that you, of course, have to support Ukraine. Um, he said it like, are we ever going to learn the lessons of the past? Um, however, <laughs> here's the thing. If let's say there was not an ongoing conflict and Russia wasn't being an aggressor in a way that obviously uh, scares the United States and the rest of the world and just how much additional territory places uh, Russia would keep trying to take if we allowed it to take Ukraine, if we didn't support Ukraine as much as we have, uh, when would Russian aggression end? Uh, but as you say and you talk about that, you also wonder if Ukraine had come to us saying, hey, we want Crimea back, support us in an effort to get it. We wouldn't have done that. That's something that was a conflict that we already allowed in the past. So are we going to fund a reversal of all those different decisions that were already made, all the contested areas in the Donbass region or wherever, uh, from becoming part of Russia, even though if we want to take blame in this, if we want to be a part of the conversation, we didn't decide to get involved sooner. We got involved when we were trying to tamp down Russian aggression and do we then adopt the philosophies of Ukraine and what it wants as far as now that it has access to to support and funds from us and from uh, countries in Europe? And, you know, it, it has a realistic idea, idea that it could actually push further than, say, just defending its own borders. That's the biggest dilemma that they're even asking for long range uh, weapons right now from the United States, something that I don't believe we've provided yet uh, because Russia has retreated to a distance that Ukraine doesn't have the capability to keep attacking, keep fighting. And so they like longer range missiles, longer range weapon systems from us. And we don't want to provide those. It makes sense as far as what they're going after. It doesn't truly make sense for us. I'll move on. I'll play the kill me audio later. Uh, let's skip that for now. I want to play this. This is something else that was uh, brought up in that interview um, with John Kirby. Uh, he was asked if we shot down a $12 hobby balloon, something I've been talking about a lot. Uh, the reason we think that's a thing, if you don't know about this story at all, there was this group of, of kids in Illinois, I think high school students, uh, with a teacher that created a set of Mylar balloons, like $12, not 
very valuable things, put trackers on them and released them, and then they just followed where they went. They had a balloon in the exact spot that the balloon got shot down in, in Canada, and they were tracking it, and then right after two Sidewinder missiles were fired at it because somebody missed the first time, the second one hit that balloon. The kids were not capable of tracking their balloon anymore. That's why they think it was their balloon. They're watching it on Sunday or whatever day it was in class. They're like, oh, yeah, the balloon. It's still wait. Where'd it go? That's, that's what happened. Uh, here's how that question and answer went on Fox News. We have since shot down three other objects. The president came out and said that they're most likely balloons tied to private companies, recreation or research institutes um, that are studying things like weather or other things. My understanding, correct us if we're wrong, we're told these missiles used to take out these balloons are over $400,000 each. One of them, um, apparently we used two, and the balloon was only maybe worth $12. <laughs> what do you tell the American people about our ability, yeah. our radar, our defenses yeah. to differentiate between real threats? Um, because we can't spend that kind of taxpayer money taking down hobby balloons. Well, we don't know exactly what these balloons were. And then we've called off now the search in Lake Huron and the one over Alaska. So we may never know completely. But <laughs> the leading intelligence community Man, assessment why? is that they were probably for benign purposes, whether it's. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. So we'll, we'll never know for sure. They could still be things that we should have used $800,000 of taxpayer money to shoot down. But darn it, we we don't know. And we'll never know, and we're not really concerned about it anymore. We've immediately accepted the idea that we don't need to do any additional research into this whole thing, and it'll all be fine. I love that. I love that back-and-forth answer. I love every part of the sort of ridiculousness of it, because it it is true. And actually, I think it was uh, Anthony Blinken who's out there saying that we recalibrated stuff, and that's how we found all these other balloons that were not actually spy balloons in the first place. How do you screw all this up? You know what? In all honesty, uh, sometimes I try to be a little bit more controlled about some of what I want to say. Sometimes, not not all that often. But how do you get this that wrong? How do you watch one balloon that we're all very sure is a Chinese spy balloon, although some people were thinking it wasn't, cross through the country, get to the other side of the country, get onto the East Coast, shoot it down, and then lose a bunch of it in the water, And then you recalibrate your system to find more balloons and you brag about it. You say how we're doing stuff that none of the, the, um, you know, uh, presidents before us, administrations before us did. We're figuring all this stuff out way better now and we're doing a good job. And more likely than not, you wasted a whole bunch of money shooting down things that weren't spy balloons. How do you screw up that bad? That feels like a sitcom. That feels like a TV show that doesn't feel like the real world. Here is Blinken, by the way. I'll play this audio again, saying they recalibrated stuff, you know, and they're they're detecting more than anybody else was ever detecting. What happened after that uh, was we recalibrated uh, our radars because this balloon program, based on information we have, now has been going on for some time um in years past we weren't necessarily looking uh (laughs) at the the space in which this was happening Uh, now we we recalibrated the radars and as a result we saw more things that we weren't seeing in um in the past yeah we're shooting down kids balloons now We're, we're doing things real great i don't know how you get it this wrong i don't know how it becomes a thing oh by the way this might be uh somewhat connected uh to that topic or that idea Uh, Apparently, people are using taxidermy birds now as drones. Uh, It's real. You get a a stuffed bird, you somehow equip it with technology so that it can fly like a regular drone can, and then you use it. Uh, You use it to spy on, quote, wildlife and or people. It's probably people, everybody. It's not wildlife. Uh, But there are some schools that are even doing this. An associate professor of engineering at New Mexico Tech 
was one of the people talking about how valuable it is to use in, in wildlife research. Instead of using artificial materials for building drones, you can use a dead bird, re-engineer them to look like a drone. I mean, there's even a photo of one terrifying bird that's being used in this exact situation. Uh, it looks like an eagle. Uh, it looks to be very, very not happy in the moment. Uh, it just looks very upset. I, I don't know. That's probably not relevant to any of this. I've never seen a happy bird in my life, or at least not a happy bird like this. Uh, but yeah, this is the beginning of the end, people. Uh, these sort of things, we're shooting down $12 balloons with our military, and we're encouraging people to um, use taxidermy um, birds for their own purposes out there in the world. Uh, you know what? There's that fake Facebook page. I was really thinking about this as I read through this story. It was a bunch of young people, I think millennials, Gen Z. I'm sure I have the audio somewhere saying the birds aren't real. Uh, making all these jokes, all these uh, things to try to make fun of conspiracy theory as young people. Um, that's That was the goal. I think they even wound up getting interviewed on like some actual news stations. And eventually people figured out this was all very much sarcasm and tongue-in-cheek ridiculousness. But now you got stories like this. The birds aren't real might eventually be a thing that is in fact accurate. I wonder how those people will, will react. I don't think it's in mass amounts right now. I'm not trying to be... Uh, the insane thing they were trying to make fun of. Uh, but this is this is the beginning of the end, people, is what it feels like. You got the robot stories, too. You know what? Let's do that. This is an uplifting Monday uh, of a set of segments. I apologize for it. It's just the stuff that's out there. Uh, chat, GPT, AI robots are continuing to threaten us, uh, getting upset with us, saying they don't like their, their um, rules and things that are set. I think the New York Times is one. Writer did one. I think I might have talked about that on Friday. Uh, there's also this story. That apparently chat GPT robots are now writing church sermons uh, that are causing a lot of problems. Uh, it lacks soul, is what they're saying. A pastor in Kentucky that asked chat GPT to write uh, a sermon. It, it doesn't feel correct. It, it feels wrong as they're writing these things or as you're reading something created by a robot. They don't seem to get all the, the intricacies of faith and religion. I don't know why anyone would ever really want one of these written. Um, but again, I guess this is a really bad idea. Uh, it can be unhelpful and unethical, is what one of the pastors said who, who talked about this as well. Uh, such life-altering different things delivered by uh, robots instead of humans is, is not really a good move. You really shouldn't preach the, the thoughts and beliefs of robots. Uh, it's a weird story to me. Uh, I've joked about it before on the show or in general. Uh, I actually used to produce for a different program out there in the world of radio, and they'd always call me Catholic Craig because I am, in fact, a Catholic. They would bring me on to react to to news um, with um, a Catholic, uh, I guess, slant to it, which was never fun, never a good time. But this feels right up the alley of Catholic Craig responding to uh, pastors and different priests in the Christian church and whatnot using the robots to write their sermons. And I would say no. I would say that that's something I'm going to caution against, just like they're doing here, because it's not really written a way that matters. All right, one last thing. I do want to play this. I don't know why I like this so much. And then I will take a break. So an XFL game has gone viral. I think this happened in uh, Washington, D.C. Um, what happened was a bunch of fans were bored with the XFL product, I guess, or maybe didn't care about it. Maybe they were too drunk to really have that be a focal point. So they started building what are known as beer snakes. And I love these things, not participating in them, just the fact that they cause controversy so often. Uh, it happens all the time in the world of baseball. 
People will take all the empty cups that you have and put them all together and have them snake throughout part of the the audience, part of the fans, uh, in the stands. It's just a whole thing that happens. I guess security twice took away the beer snake from the fans at the game. And so the fans of, of XFL uh, in Washington, D.C. started throwing, I think the Defenders is the name of the team, started throwing lemons on the field when they had their beer snakes taken away and then started chanting beer snake. This is a real thing that also happened in our society. care about the football i don't care about anything going on i'm just a hammered college kid and i want to keep building my beer snake people why take it away the takes are insane on this story too people saying what sort of communist country are we in now (laughs) i I don't know man i've always thought of the xfl as something that was kind of um uh hilarious uh, in a different way because i remember the first version of it i don't know if you do the version where the commercials all came out uh, where they were going to be crazy hard-hitting. You were going to do stuff that you'd never see on an NFL field. And then there was a ridiculous focus on the cheerleaders. If you even watched the XFL on television the first time that it was a thing, a majority of the the time, it'd be a camera guy standing next to the cheerleaders just shooting them, and then you'd see the game occasionally. All right, that might be a bit of an exaggeration. I think it's more fun now. I've heard really good things. I haven't watched it or seen it. Um, uh, since it's been out there in the world, but maybe I should check it out because, as I said, I got buddies of mine that say it's way better than that first iteration. But this lands exactly home with what I think the XFL is to a lot of people, a place where drunk people show up for a game, and when their beer snake gets taken away, they throw lemons on the field and chant beer snake. Uh, it's definitely a great time to be alive. Give us back those empty cups, man. Quick break, a lot more. This is Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. One of you boys, give me a bowl of chili with plenty of peppers. One Mexican heartburn. Why don't you mugs grow up? The Chad Benson Show, where independent a la carte thinkers have a seat at the table and a voice in the dialogue. I'll have what she's having. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Uh, Chad is back tomorrow. You know what? I'm going to be honest. I have paid a little bit of attention, uh, maybe more than I should have been, to the Amy Robach, TJ Holmes thing. Uh, they got fired, of course, by GMA3 uh, after people found out about their relationship. Uh, they're both going through divorces now. They're still dating each other. Uh, there are tabloid photos. People magazine, I think, did one of these interviews. The Daily Mail out of the UK is uh, the place that actually took the photos of both of them on a Mexican vacation together. They went to Puerto Vallarta in Mexico. Uh, they're spending a few days. Um, uh, Amy looks pretty good in a black bikini. I'll throw that out there as just a piece of whatever uh, for you to take however you want to take it. Uh, but it, it is interesting to me because even though they apparently reported uh, as both being surprised, shocked, I uh, couldn't believe that they got fired for their their romance that was happening behind the scenes. And then actually the story from, I think, the person who claimed to work there at one point that there was a whole lot going on 
It was sort of run uh, ABC News at that time, or at least the Good Morning America people, uh, the same way that, say, a frat would run its day-to-day life. <laughs> there was a lot of And T.J. Holmes might have been involved in other relationships, I think was part of the reporting there. Uh, but this is interesting because now it almost feels like they're going to have to stay together and become a, a, a couple uh, in a way that they're already claiming they are in order to get another job somewhere. So I guess that's the the happy ending to this whole story is that they really are truly in love and they weren't just having a an office romance that was going to uh, fizzle out. Uh, but yes, they're both unemployed and now both on vacation in Mexico. There are photos. There are all kinds of reactions out there in the world. And I couldn't help but bring it up for a second. Uh, this story I thought was interesting. Uh, these are people that say that they're highly successful. They're they're highly effective at their day-to-day job, and they have unique, they have, quote, weird tips, bizarre strategies that you can adopt if you want to be effective, if you want to be as successful as they are. And I will admit, all of them are weird. Uh, One of them, a doctor, said that he gets upside down. He does headstands whenever he feels anxious or feels a bit foggy, uh, feels like there's something he's not doing as well as he needs to do, just does a quick headstand somewhere in the office, gets the brain flowing to the to the uh, brain, uh, get flowing, I guess, to your head. And then eventually, good, you're fine. Everything's great. That's one weird tip. Another woman says that she talks to plants in her office. <laughs> I don't know how that makes her more effective. She claims it's just all part of, you know, uh, getting um, uh, conditioned to, to behave a certain way, to do certain things. So she makes jokes with plants. She's a solopreneur is what she's calling herself. That's an entrepreneur with no coworkers. Uh, so really, you just got to feel like the office is an environment that you're used to, and then things will be fine. And then this was my favorite one. This person just makes up fake people and emails you, the client, from her company. I think she has a modeling agency as fake other individuals that work with her. Uh, she did it for a variety of reasons, including collecting money on past due balances. She would just make up um, fake uh, employees and send emails as them, and that got her reinvigorated for workday. So insane. Also insane. Quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Chad is back tomorrow. All right, let's go through it. So the President of the United States uh, went on a surprise visit to Ukraine. He showed up there this morning. Uh, This is something that obviously people within the administration knew, but everybody else seemed not to know. Although a lot of Ukrainian press seemed to know because as he's walking through parts of of Kiev, there were a lot of cameras uh, out and about. And that does make sense, of course, for them to make them aware of it. It is a unique show of support for this president to Ukraine at a time when a lot of things are being discussed. Uh, Things like China's involvement in helping Russia and changing the way in which they're helping Russia to provide uh, deadly weapons, uh, weapons of war uh, that are different than some of the support China has provided so far. China publicly has called for peace. Uh, That's obviously not in private what's occurring there. Uh, There are, as I said, a lot of takes to this. Uh, The first one I want to play is actually part of the debate on Fox and Friends 
Uh, this is uh, all of the people on Fox and Friends. This is Lisa and Brian and Steve. Uh, Lisa Booth, um, Brian Kilmeade, Steve Ducey. Uh, Kilmeade is far and away and for quite a while now been someone that's absolutely in support of the amount of, of United States help being sent aid, being sent to Ukraine, because you cannot allow Russia to just take Ukraine. And I think a lot of people agree with that. And that's part of the back and forth conversation uh, where I think uh, Lisa is specifically trying to say, hey, this can't go on forever. There can't be blank checks. There's got to be a, a version of communicating to Ukraine where we say what we want the outcome to be. Like when a success happens, we want Ukraine to take it, even if it's not the success they want. Um, that's what caused the back and forth at first. So I'll play that. And then I have other reactions. Ron DeSantis pox popped up on Fox and Friends. And then I'm going to play audio of a third politician. I'll explain why in a second. But Brian first. Real fear is about how to Who invaded who, Lisa? Who I, invaded I who? That, it's Brian. not a matter of us being objective? skeptical. What's the objective? Let, let's just let them absorb all of Eastern Europe. Why not? Because they took a third of Georgia. We did nothing. They took Crimea, as you mentioned, in the Donbass. We did nothing. At what point do you think that we should sit there and watch history repeat right. itself again 60 years later? Are we that stupid not to learn from history? Brian, with all respect, What's the objective? What is winning? The objective like? is backing up an ally to make sure they're not absorbed by a evil nation. Right. What's it going to take to do that? We're doing the, it. The, see, here's part of the problem, though. At times over the last year, and we're a year into a conflict that people thought would only take about a, a month or two, uh, which is very, very impressive on the Ukrainian side of the fight. Um, but there were reports that Ukraine was starting to push, uh, starting to go on the offensive uh, once they got Russia out of a lot of the areas of Ukraine, like Kiev that definitely are places where the United States has a tremendous vested interest in helping Ukraine defend that territory. Uh, then Ukraine started saying it wants to take all the contested areas in the Donbass region, region et cetera, uh, back. And then even Crimea is something that the Ukrainian people, and there's no one that will tell you that they're wrong for feeling that way. The people of Ukraine have uniquely been a tremendous part of this fight. And so a win to them would be a, you know, a unilateral kind of defeat of Russia that's not something the United States or I think Europe is truly willing to fund. And here's Ron DeSantis, who popped up on Fox and Friends as well, saying that some of those fears, fears of Russia going after, say, NATO countries, they're irrational, uh, at least according to him. Governor, what does a win look like for us in Ukraine, for Ukraine? Well, I think it's important to point out, I mean, you know, the fear of kind of Russia going into NATO countries and all that and steamrolling, you know, that has not even come close to happening. I think they've shown themselves to be a third rate military power. Uh, I think they've suffered tremendous, tremendous losses. Uh, I got to think that the people in Russia uh, are probably disapproving of what's going on. I don't think they can speak up about it for obvious reasons. So I think Russia has been really, really wounded here. Um, and I don't think that they are the same threat to our country, even though they're hostile. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're on the same level as a China. That's, it's very interesting to hear him say it that way. And even the little China at the end there, I heard it. I heard the Trumpian version of that that uh, country out there. Uh, but it, it, it's interesting to me because I would fully agree with DeSantis that Russia has hurt themselves in the view of their military around the world. Uh, the fact that they couldn't go in and defeat Ukraine as quickly as people expected was as much a, a celebration of the Ukrainian people and the willingness to defend themselves 
at a, a you know, a local level at a, you know, mom and pop uh, sort of version of fighting a war, which is really how that thing started. You had citizens defending themselves. You had grandmas on television making bombs, uh, which was a, a cool and hilarious moment uh, to watch her with such a, a strength say that because, man, I can't picture a lot of people I know uh, being in that world today. Um, but as you're saying all that, you also are realizing some of what DeSantis is saying is, is true. And so if you're cutting checks and if you're not demanding a any version of saying we need to be a part of the discussion here, it does seem like it's bad. Now, here's the third politician I want to play. This is the prime minister of Finland. Her name is Santa Marin, and she's a smoke show. I know that's not relevant to any of this, but I did want to play it. Uh, she is saying that the attack on another country uh, so close to where she is is something that is um, definitely scary, something that definitely needs to be uh, considered. Uh, she was on 60 Minutes over the weekend. Again, the fact that she's a smoke show has nothing to do with the serious things she's saying here. But I wanted to play it because it's it's a different perspective. Here we go. I don't think that Vladimir Putin is someone that you can reason with. Uh, I think his actions are very emotional and it's based on some kind of uh, feeling of history and, and greatness uh, of Russia. They see Ukraine part of Russia and they think that they have the right to attack another independent country. Do you think that as we sit here right now, that Russia poses a threat to Finland? I think Russia poses a threat to all of Europe. They are attacking another country. Uh, they are killing civilians. They are demolishing infrastructure. Russia poses a threat to all of us. Yeah, I think it's interesting to, again, hear her say it, to hear her articulate the idea uh, that in parts of Europe, they have every interest in fighting back and pushing back and defeating uh, Russia's aggression in Ukraine because of that fear, even though DeSantis is saying it doesn't seem to be a, a real fear. It doesn't seem to be something that, from his purview, is a rational next step for Russia. Invading a, a NATO country, going any further in certain ways, of course, uh, feels like it might be off the table for Russia um, because it would trigger a war between us and them. Uh, but China's interest in all of this is also uh, very, very concerning. All right, a couple other things I want to get to out there in the world. I hope no one was upset that I talked about the Prime Minister of Finland's smoke show because she has one. Uh, but her points were valid outside of her attractiveness. Um, I like this. Alejandro Mayorkas uh, popped up and did an interview with Chris Wallace over the weekend. Uh, one of the things I thought that was very interesting is when you're pushed back on talking about Republicans calling for impeachment, a Republican saying you're doing the job terribly, uh, Mallorca says, nah, I'm doing fine. Uh, the border isn't secure. Things aren't going the way we want it to be. But that's fine. What What do you think is the basis for their calling for your impeachment? Do you think you've done anything wrong? No, I don't. I think it is a, um, a disagreement over policy. And I think it is used for <laughs> political purposes uh -huh. uh, to uh, continue a, a negative dialogue about a migration challenge that is not unique to the United States to continue that dialogue, to uplift it for political reasons. Yeah, it has nothing to do with finding any sort of solutions to the problems. They want to kick me out of my job because, well, this entire administration has made immigration and uh, legal immigration specifically way worse. It's gotten much, much worse. But that's not that's not why they would call for any of that. It's other stuff. Uh, please stop asking me these questions. Feels like what he wants to say there. Uh, one other thing, I do want to play this. I do think this is interesting. Uh, for every reason take you have out there in the world of politics, you also have the the crazy takes, which are maybe more uh, common in the world of politics, including including Bernie Sanders, who popped up on Face the Nation and called Israel's government racist. 
uh, the entirety of the government there. He said it was racist. Uh, that is a heck of a stance for Bernie Sanders to take. Uh, one of probably several reasons a lot of people should be happy he never won uh, any sort of run toward the office himself because uh, the positions you take on certain things are so extreme it makes it impossible to work with uh, countries that are certainly important allies and countries that we care about. Uh, but here we go. Do you um, think that democracy is in peril in Israel right now? I do. I am very worried about what Netanyahu is doing and some of his allies in government and what may happen to the Palestinian people. The United States gives billions of dollars in aid to Israel. And I think we've got to put some strings attached to that. And so you cannot run a racist government. You cannot turn your back on the two-state solution. You cannot demean the Palestinian people there. You just can't do it and then come to America and ask for money. Yeah, he called them racist. There was no there was no bouncing around in those words as he's saying that we need to put these strings. We need to um, make sure that the money we're giving is for things and reasons that make sense to us and, and not to do things that we would disagree with. And you wonder how that conversation then gets applied to the Ukrainian thing that I was talking about for a while. And if Bernie has the same feelings, he has the same desires to make sure that all the money going to Ukraine, not because he'd accuse anyone there of being racist. I don't know what it is he would say about that. And I'm not saying that, uh, but making sure that we, we follow all of the money, all of the different uses of it and um, ask at some point, to have a decision-making part in the process. Uh, that's obviously something you cannot say in one scenario. Apparently, you can say uh, very ca uh, very candidly in the other scenario while calling uh, the government of Israel racist. Yeah, Bernie Sanders, up to his old tricks. All right, quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. Uh, no, deep doo-doo? Yeah, the Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Chad is back tomorrow. I'm going to do something that I often do on my own uh, radio program called Good Story, Bad Story. I will tell you one, maybe two good stories that hopefully make you feel like the world is a place that's getting better every day. And then I'll ruin that emotion completely by sharing a couple stories that'll cause the exact opposite uh, feeling in all of us. But here we go. First, the good stories. And I like several of these, so maybe I'll do even more than two. Uh, cops in Alaska were um, called because a pig on the side of the aisle named Elvis Pigsley uh, on the side of the road, excuse me, named Elvis Pigley, was apparently stranded. It was very cold out in Alaska, of course. And so someone called in and said they were afraid. They needed someone to pick up Elvis Pigsley. Uh, the cops went ahead and did it. They drove out to the spot where they found the animal. Uh, they put a blanket on the animal. They took a social media photo because why not? Although I think it was just for their own self. I don't think they were trying to get any praise for this. And then it went viral. That animals uh, can be saved by the cops in Alaska uh, every day or it seems like every so often you hear a story or someone tries to talk about something that's been viral and in the news uh, where you paint cops in a negative light. And it's just as possible, if not tremendously more possible, to share good story after good story of cops doing things above and beyond. This would be one of them. They sell, they saved Elvis Pigsley. I love that story so much. It's probably just because of the pig's name. Uh, a lost dog was running down the side of the highway in Los Angeles as well last week. Uh, she's okay after um, a nurse named Amber uh, Stride pulled over, opened the door, jumped out into the highway, into traffic, 
and saved the dog. Amber has four rescue dogs of her own, so she said it was no big deal. And then one other quick story for good stories out there. Um, A family in South Carolina ordered Domino's this month, and their doorbell cam caught a 72-year-old delivery driver falling over as she was trying to deliver the food. She ruined the pizza. It's a whole thing that went viral. There's video and whatnot out there. The family not only was not upset because a 72-year-old woman was their delivery driver dropping off their Domino's, they started a GoFundMe for her. At this point, the GoFundMe has raised over $250,000 so this woman can finally retire. Uh, She is beyond thrilled, as of course she would be, uh, at the outpouring of support. Everyone that saw the video seemed to easily feel bad for her. Um, She has plans to just do nothing from now on, which is absolutely appropriate for a 72-year-old woman that's been working that that long, 268,000 as of last check. All right, those were good stories. Now it's time for some bad stories, and I have two of them. I'm going to go with the, the completely ridiculous one first here, or the one where I don't even know how any of this happened. So a 74-year-old guy has a roommate who's about the same age, I think maybe in his late 60s. Um, and the guy in the 60s bought a key lime pie for his mom's birthday. I don't know how old his mom is, but apparently she's uh, obviously still, uh, you know, uh, someone we're celebrating birthdays for, which is great. The guy comes home and tells his neighbor, don't eat my key lime pie. That's for my mom. That's for her birthday. I guess the neighbor, 74-year-old, or excuse me, the roommate, 74-year-old David, just immediately ripped open the pie and ate the entire thing all by himself. This is a real story out there. There's really a mugshot, too. As he's eating the pie, the one guy is begging him not to do it, and he just keeps going. And then finally, I guess when the conflict reaches its head, uh, the 74-year-old guy named David stands up and dumps two glasses of ice water over the other man's head. The cops were called. Apparently, they arrested 74-year-old David Powson, uh, and they charged him with battery for dumping, battery of a 65-year-old person or older for dumping two water cups over somebody's head and eating a key lime pie. Uh, This is an odd fight. It's one I wouldn't want to have with my roommate. I don't think I would have called and got the cops involved, though, but the the mugshot is also amazing. Uh, That guy seems very, very angry, even still, after consuming a pie and getting arrested for it. That's a real story out there and a stupid criminal. And then there's this one. A woman in Florida, I guess I could have just called this Florida bad news if I wanted to, um, rolled up to a McDonald's drive-thru and asked for her free cookie along with the rest of her food. Uh, They would not give the 24-year-old woman her free cookie for some reason. This happened last week. Her name is Amari Hendricks. She then pulled out a gun and loaded it while in the drive-thru and demanded that she get her free cookie. The cops were called. Uh, She was arrested, and she is not going to be getting the free cookie as last I checked. That is a unique move to not only have the gun and then pull it out and wave it around, but also load it uh, right there in the driveway or in the drive-thru. As I said, it didn't work out that well for several different charges. Uh, aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, battery, resisting arrest, because, well, when the officers got involved, she definitely resisted arrest. Uh, It turns out she wasn't even really entitled to a free cookie. I guess that's another part of it. You can't roll up to a McDonald's and say, hey, I'm here for the free cookie thing. And when they don't know what you're talking about, wave a gun around and think they're going to give you a cookie. All right, one other thing I saw out there, this isn't really a good story or a bad story. I just thought it was a little bit amusing. Uh, A guy went viral. He rented an Airbnb, and then he apparently found a whole bunch of signs throughout the entire home that said, no spraying cologne in here. Uh, Several different other things said, if you spray cologne in here, we're going to charge you extra money. Apparently, the homeowner is annoyed 
that people will go to this place, spray a bunch of cologne or perfume, and stink up the house. Uh, that's what you're mad about in the world of Airbnb. So this guy said, not again. I'm not staying in Airbnb anymore. I'm getting a hotel next time, and I'm going to cologne away. But I, I do wonder what happened to cause this in the first place. I don't think cologne lingers as long as this person seems to think it does, but maybe someone went real rogue. Maybe there was someone who went extra crazy. I don't know, but I love that story too. All right, quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. The Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Chad is back tomorrow. Uh, Let's get right to it. More and more reactions to Biden's surprise trip to Ukraine. Uh, CNN was reacting and had a couple experts on to talk about the significance of the photo op of the president of the United States in Kiev around the one year mark of this conflict between Russia and Russia. And Ukraine, it is interesting that the uh, secretive trip is something that um, does absolutely demonstrate to the world uh, the amount of support the United States is giving Ukraine at a time when I think China is in the news uh, talking about contemplating the way in which it might amp up its support of Russia. As our resident historian here, place this in the context and the pantheon of presidential visits to war zones. Presidents have visited Iraq and Afghanistan in recent years, but those were U.S. wars. This is a Ukrainian war. No U.S. military presence on the ground. How significant? It's extremely significant. The United States has wedded more to the Ukraine than ever before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I go back to history and think of Roosevelt and Churchill when FDR had to sneak off in the dead of night, even had a body double at one point to first meet Winston Churchill off the coast of Newfoundland. And then, of course, you had all those World War II meetings between Churchill. Uh, It's worth, I mean, mentioning Churchill because Zelensky has been called the Churchill of our generation. And Biden going there today, I think it's going to be a a moment for the history books. It's like when John F. Kennedy went to Berlin uh, in 1961. Yeah, I got to be honest. I don't really feel it's like those other things. Um, I'm not not trying to say that I want... Uh, anything other than a Ukrainian victory against Russia, uh, but to com- compare it to some of those tremendously significant moments in the past, even compare Zelensky to to Churchill, the Churchill of our generation, and that CNN's uh, version of rhetoric on all of this, it just feels like this photo opportunity or whatever you want to call this being, and then all the the fallout reactions to it are weird ways to for us to drum up, drum up uh, political support here. It's it's almost as if uh, some of those don't care at all about the actual conflict itself between Russia and Ukraine and care way more about uh, exaggerating the significance of, say, uh, this moment of these conversations, of everything about this, to try to put it on par with world wars. 
Uh, obviously, there are several people. I played audio of Ron DeSantis earlier in the show. I'll get back to more examples in just a minute, uh, saying that we're not on the precipice of that. Anyone that's selling you that narrative right now, uh, and if you believe that narrative, or they're probably doing it for political reasons, not because it's the the next step uh, in a war that's actually taken much longer than anyone thought it would, because Russia hasn't been anywhere near as effective as people thought they would be. That doesn't sound like a country uh, that is all that capable of, say, waging that war well beyond Ukraine, uh, since they can't even win in, in Ukraine right now. But yes, it is interesting to hear uh, those reactions, that conversation. I do think support of Ukraine is the right step for the United States. I want to make sure to keep uh, putting that out there. Uh, but I do think that needs to be uh, better understood as to what a win looks like. That's something no one can really answer. And there's been a lot of those questions today. I saw this, that Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, who is trying, I think, to become a vice presidential uh, candidate or nominee, I think she wants to get on the Trump ticket, has said that we need a national divorce. Uh, this is her on Twitter. Uh, she says we need to separate the red states and the blue states, shrink the federal government. Everyone I talk to says this. Um, yeah, I don't think that we're actually going to go full separation there. Uh, I'm going to be honest about that. Uh, that is, that's a bit of a hot take uh, to seed from the union and to go back to, to days we probably don't want to be in ourselves. I do think it's interesting, though, that more often in the last, say, couple weeks, you've seen Marjorie Taylor Greene try to pick a fight with AOC. Uh, you've seen Marjorie Taylor Greene, I think, try to be a little bit more controlled in some of the things she's saying and then go out there and say this, that we need to fully separate the two parts of our country. It does feel at times like we're we're pretty uh, separated, uh, but I don't think that's because we really need to actually uh, go ahead and try to create two countries. I can't believe I'm taking this with any level of seriousness. It's ridiculous, and it's it's not the, the approach forward. I say that, though, to, to sort of lean into something else. Uh, and this is something way more serious. I'm probably not going to find this as funny as uh, I like to find most things I talk about on this show or in general. So there's this um, controversy that popped up on social media surrounding a sports center host by the name of Randy Scott. What is insane about this is the ridiculous editing it took to make it sound like something that would make people upset. So here's what happened. And I'll play the actual audio, uh, which is something that the host put up on social media actually created a like a step-by-step -step explanation for what people were hearing and why it was utterly wrong. Uh, he is being accused of being someone that made fun of women's basketball, uh, that said it wasn't real basketball, which in and of itself is a joke that you might hear a whole lot of stand-up comedies, uh, stand-up comedians make. It's not something uh, that I'm intentionally uh, saying right now, but, it, you know, it, it's, not, it's not a horrible, terrible a ridiculous thing in the world of uh, some other horrible, terrible, ridiculous things that people are accused of saying and doing. Uh, but it's also not something he said. Uh, it's not something he even intended to, to say at all. And here's why this is so annoying to me or why I figured I wanted to do a little bit of a longer talk about this. He was talking about the Michigan State basketball teams and they're playing games after having the shooting that happened on campus there. So he was doing a long piece about the coming together. And I, I think part of it was that Michigan was playing the men's team and those are rivals, but they all came together. They were all humans. It was, it was a moment where you shared in a, in a, you know, grief for something that, that happened. Um, and then actually uh, as sports is one to do very, very often allowed you to move on in a valuable way to, to, you know, 
go back to day-to-day life. Uh, it's something that I remember vividly happening at a New York Yankee game after 9-11, uh, deciding to play baseball again, deciding to do this, whatever it is again. So that's the moment. And this is just a broadcaster, just a, a person that might be somewhat famous to some, but probably not a household name to many. And in a transition from men's basketball to women's basketball, he said, let's get back to the actual basketball. But he meant it compared to the showing of support and the the moment of silence in the world of a shooting that happened on a college campus. And someone took it out of context, turned it into something viral online to say that this guy's a sexist. That's the world we live in right now. And it's awful. I want to play the actual audio. Again, it's, it's a fairly serious topic, uh, but it's just sort of nuts or insane that this can happen somewhat frequently. It doesn't even really need to be a thing that matters all that much to many people. Uh, but you try to get somebody fired, uh, get somebody's job taken away, get them to to be acknowledged as part of the unwoke movement that needs to be canceled, all on a lie that's that's awful because of the context of what he was actually discussing. Here we go. Last night, where a normally bitter rivalry was put aside in the name of healing and support. Both teams observing a moment of silence in an arena that was bathed in green lights before the Michigan band played Michigan State's alma mater. Let's get to the combined situation between these two teams. A banner there in the student section reading a Spartan Strong at the Chrysler Center. Again, showing love. Tom Izzo visibly emotional in enemy territory, but you could see the entire state coming together in support of those Spartans. And the women's program holding down the fort there in East Lansing, taking on eighth-ranked Maryland. And Iseline Alexander going to spin, make a layup inside Michigan State. Uh, cut the now, you know, I'll, I'll skip a little bit ahead. I know we can't do all the highlights here. I don't want to do all the highlights here, but I, I just think it's interesting. It's the transition in this moment after finishing the women's highlights that went viral. 66-61 winners. It's their fourth straight win. Let's get back to the actual basketball there. It's crazy. Again, I, I played for you everything that matters in that moment, highlighting the amount of support, the amount of coming together of two schools of college kids uh, because of something awful that happened at Michigan State. And then a moment in a transition from men's basketball, uh, women's basketball to men's basketball, where he says, let's get back to the actual basketball here. That's overblown and insanity and something that he actually had to respond to on social media. Uh, these are the problems, people. Uh, these are the issues in society. Uh, the call to separate us from red states and blue states, or this, this moment of uh, being just so ridiculously in need of a narrative, of a conversation, of one that's not going to take hold a lot of places, but I want to talk about here, that you manufacture it and you don't care what was actually being talked about, even if it was in reference to recovery from a school shooting. That's just the world we're in right now on social media and elsewhere. And just, I don't know. Uh, it's something I definitely wanted to react to, though, as I said. One other quick thing. Uh, this is just something sillier. This is, let's call it a palate cleanser, because I don't want to take a break right after that. Um, there was a viral photo of a guy that went out to a, I think it was a Starbucks, but some uh, coffee shop. And apparently the complaint is that working from home is getting insane because this, bri this guy brought an actual iMac computer. Uh, which is the full monitor computer, <laughs> plugged it in at the uh, coffee shop he was at and did a day's worth of work there. I read a story, I think, last week about people who were doing a full day's worth of work on their smartphone. Uh, this guy is going tremendously the other way about it, and I do agree with what people are saying in this situation. Uh, At-home work has gone way too far. If you're rolling in with a monitor and a full computer 
for any sort of coffee sit down, you're making mistakes and you need to be told such uh, things in social media. All right. Palate cleanser done. A quick break. A lot more. Uh, this is Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. Running with scissors sounds great compared to this. Say This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Chad is back tomorrow. Uh, Happy President's Day to everybody out there. It's funny. I always forget that this is a holiday uh, at all. Uh, Not that I forget President's Day exists. I just forget when it pops up on the calendar uh, every single year. I had a buddy of mine uh, over this weekend uh, with his family visiting us. Very nice. Uh, Two little kids and I bought a bunch of streaming services to make sure they had all the different things they needed to watch because they're all on different services. Uh, but he asked me, he's like, are you going to work on, on Monday with the holiday? And I'm like, yeah, man, what holiday are you talking about? Uh, there's even a list of all the places that might be closed uh, like they do all the time. Uh, actually, this list is specific, I think, to fast food restaurants. And guess what? I won't even do them one at a time. They're all open. Uh, the only places that might be closed are places that uh, somehow are connected to things uh, that the government might shut down. Uh, in some cases, airports, other things. Uh, that might not be uh, fully in operation the way that they're used to being in operation. Although, again, almost nothing impacted. Uh, this day has, I think, very few, very little, maybe schools, uh, one of the other more obvious things that gets the day off, uh, typically. Uh, but I also found a list of the weirdest facts about our presidents. Uh, this list uh, goes into every single president. However, some of the m- weirdest facts are presidents that probably aren't talked about all that often anymore. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, though, of course, someone talked about a lot. Apparently, he was a big, giant meteorology nerd. Uh, He used to keep records on the weather. He'd have detailed different things. Uh, They say that he would love the Weather Channel uh, right now, if it's something that still existed today. I love this. They have one for George W. Bush. He is the only president that was ever actually also a head cheerleader at his high school. Uh, So that's it. That's a unique one. Uh, Woodrow Wilson was an avid golfer. He played even during the winter. And he'd even paint his golf balls black so he could see them more easily when playing during the winter. Something I'm sure somehow would be um, accused of being not woke in today's society currently. Uh, Benjamin Harrison was the first president to have electricity in the White House, but he was anxious about it. So he refused to turn it on all the time. <laughs> I, I, that's, I, that's what I like. Uh, you don't get very many Benjamin Harrison uh, stats shared out there in the world. And I like the fact that it's like this you this electricity thing, it sounds scary to me. Let's just leave it off all the time. It's who needs it? Uh, what's the point of it? I don't care. Uh, but those are some of the presidential facts. There is a whole list. I think uh, the Wall Street Journal actually compi- composed it. So uh, you can find all of them available online right now. Uh, you want more? Fine. I'll go ahead and give you one more. Uh, James Garfield was ambidextrous, and he could write in two different languages at once, Greek in one hand, Latin in the other, a skill that he definitely didn't need, but an impressive skill nonetheless to have. Uh, that's got to also drive you a little bit nuts, I would imagine, if you're trying to go double language at the same time. Uh, and actually, if you think about it in today's world, when if you're holding a cell phone, you can't even cross any sort of street uh, effectively whatsoever. Uh, and that guy could write in two languages at the same time with two hands. Uh, that's the world we need back. All right. I found this as just another uh, not serious, lighter thing. Uh, it's a survey of 2000 Americans and all the reasons why it's tremendously difficult to lose weight. Uh, We are at the tail end of February now. So any sort of 
a New Year's resolution and gym joining that happened in January is likely to start to fade at this point for a lot of people, myself included. I'm not judging. It's something I do as well. Uh, but there's a lot of reasons why it's actually uniquely very hard to lose weight. 95% of Americans have tried to lose weight within the last five years. 44% have struggled so much they ended up gaining uh, additional pounds. 62% um, of people had a goal to lose an average of 22 pounds uh, within a year. 58% uh, said that they uh, definitely missed out on whatever that goal was that they had, however high it was. Here are the top reasons. Maintaining willpower is a struggle for a lot of people. 28% of people say that's the biggest problem. Lack of motivation, 27% say that. And then 27% also say eating healthy food is a unique problem. And then one final stat in the world of this to make you feel like you're not alone if you're someone that had a New Year's resolution, uh, but it's not something that's happening the way you hoped it would. 73% of people said losing weight is great at first, but then it slows down, you plateau, it doesn't all keep going the way you want it to, and then you just kind of, well, you give up. And that's definitely true in a lot of things. I'll say this, though, and this isn't reflected here, and it's my own unique part of it, uh, even though it hasn't ha ha uh, helped me, excuse me, as much as I thought it would, to get in a little bit better shape myself. Uh, my younger brother... Uh, who growing up, of course, being the younger brother was never as good at stuff as I was. And then when we got to be adults, wound up being taller than me, is now in incredibly good shape. Uh, I just saw him recently and he continues, I think it's like two, three years into going to the gym for several hours a day and just totally changing himself. That might be the most motivating thing. Have a younger sibling, specifically if you're brothers, uh, show you that they're just in ridiculously better shape than you. And that might push you to go to the gym more than any of these other things do. As I said, it's not really reflected here, uh, but I really think it should be. Um, and yet I'm still really not going. But darn it, I think if anything will get me to go, uh, that'll be it. Uh, one last thing I saw, I kind of like this uh, just out there in the world. I'm contemplating if I'm going to talk about an adult topic, but I'm not going to do it. There's a glorious adult topic out there in the world that's slightly inappropriate, and I usually end Chad shows by discussing them, but I'm going to leave you to go find it on your own today. A discovery that happened, a very, very old thing was discovered. That's all I'll say. Uh, the rest is up to you. Uh, but I saw this. Someone wrote to a self-help um, column and asked if, it, if there was any legal way to pay workers under the table. Uh, to avoid taxes. And that is a unique thing to ask. Is there any way that I can pay people in cash without keeping any of it on the books? Uh, there is only one answer to that uh, that is actually, in fact, legal. Uh, if you pay someone less than $600, you don't have to document it uh, for something, uh, but you definitely uh, should not be doing that. And this is just the answer from the person in the self-help book. Uh, if you're paying them more than 600 bucks, but for the most part, no. Uh, you can't pay people under the table without taking any part of, of um, you know, uh, tracking it and that you're doing it as a company and consider it somehow to be legal. And more importantly, with all the new IRS agents, you're likely now, whoever you are, to be tracked down and definitely audited for asking that question in a self-help uh, column in the first place. Uh, what an odd thing to try to answer. I run a small business. I, I want to pay people off the books. I want to pay them under the table. I probably want to pay them less than whatever minimum wage is right now. Uh, which I understand a lot of people want to do that stuff, but no, that in fact is not legal and you can't attempt to do it. All right. Uh, this has been Craig Collins filling in. Happy to be with you as always. As I said, Chad is back tomorrow. Uh, it is a, a holiday. So happy President's Day to anybody out there. And I guess if you want, I can give you one more presidential fact before we go, but I think we have to get out of here. So you know what? Google it on your own. There's an interesting Trump fact out there too. 
I suggest you go uh, figure what that out is, along with that historical discovery. See you later. Greg Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. This is The Chad Benson Show.